Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 15th edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. The California Supreme Court has agreed to review the controversial Court of Appeal decision in the Valdez case that allowed unauthorized non-MPN physicians' reports into evidence. After Elaine Valdez filed a claim for industrial injury, she was sent for medical treatment to the employer's MPN. Applicant then, upon referral from her attorney, began treating with a non-MPN physician. Her attorney sought to introduce the non-NPN physician report and evidence to support her claim. The WCAB, in a split en banc decision, ruled that non-NPN physician reports are not admissible when the employer has properly complied with NPN regulations. The WCAB reasoned that Labor Code Section 4616.6 provides that no additional examination shall be ordered by the Appeals Board and no other report shall be admissible to resolve any controversy arising out of this article, and thus precludes the admissibility of non-MPN medical reports with respect to disputed treatment and diagnoses issues, such as any controversies arising out of the article. The Court of Appeal reversed in the unpublished opinion of Elaine Valdez versus WCAB and Warehouse Demo Services. In ruling that non-MPN reports are indeed admissible, the Court of Appeal reasoned that it does not make sense to construe Section 4616.6 as a general rule of exclusion, barring any use of medical reports other than those generated by MPN physicians. Recently enacted SB 863 partially addressed this outcome. Effective January 1, 2013, Labor Code Section 4605 provides that any report prepared by consulting or attending physicians pursuant to this section shall not be the sole basis of an award of compensation. A qualified medical evaluator or authorized treating physician shall address any report procured pursuant to this section and shall indicate whether he or she agrees or disagrees with the findings or opinions stated in the report and shall identify the basis for this opinion. It seems that the Supreme Court will now weigh in on this issue. Briefs will now be filed by the parties, oral hearings will be scheduled, and in due course the outcome will be known. A WCAB panel decision says that the AME-QME process is unnecessary when the UR process is deficient. Here's what happened in the case of Sandra Corona versus Los Aptos Christian Fellowship Child Care. Sandra Corona injured her neck, wrists, back, and psyche while employed as a preschool teacher by Los Aptos Christian Fellowship Child Care. Medical examinations were conducted by the party's orthopedic AME, Dr. Stephen Feenberg, and psychiatric AME, Dr. Roy Curry. The work comp judge approved the party's stipulated award of 34% permanent disability and future medical treatment. The AME reported that future medical care should be left open for physician visits and medication prescriptions. He also said he would support another radiofrequency procedure given the benefit of the last one she had. Following entry of the stipulated award, applicants treating physicians sent a treatment plan that requested authorization for the repeat cervical RFA 
referred to by the AME. Utilization Review responded by requesting additional information and then subsequently denied the authorization request. Applicant filed a DOR for an expedited hearing on the issue of her entitlement to obtain an additional cervical RFA pursuant to the stipulated award of future medical treatment. The employer objected, claiming that Corona must have an AME evaluation on the topic of the UR denial before proceeding to hearing. The work comp judge issued a findings and award for the requested treatment. The WCAB panel denied reconsideration, noting that applicants treating physician reasonably sought authorization to repeat the RFA that earlier alleviated applicant symptoms. The AME reports had not been sent to the UR physician. Had the UR physician been provided all of the relevant medical reporting and information that was in defendant's possession as required by the utilization review process, the request for a repeat RFA may have been approved because it is supported by substantial medical evidence. Thus, it is not necessary in this case to further develop the medical record through Section 4062 processes with its associated cost and delay by requiring applicant to obtain additional opinions from an AME or PQME. Instead, the work comp judge properly addressed the dispute at an expedited hearing and issued a reasoned decision based upon the substantial medical evidence already in the record. And now our fraud report. 45-year-old Gerard Padilla, an employee of the Los Angeles County Office of Education, has been arrested and charged with five felony counts of workers' compensation insurance fraud. Padilla was arrested by detectives with the California Department of Insurance Fraud Division with the assistance of officers from the Los Angeles County Probation Department. He was booked at the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department's Lancaster Station with bail set at $120,000. According to the California Department of Insurance detectives, Padilla worked as a teaching assistant. He filed a workers' comp claim alleging he injured his back while helping break up a physical altercation in a classroom. At the time of the claim, Padilla was assigned to the Antelope Valley Principal Administrative Unit. However, the investigation discovered that Padilla was not injured at work. Padilla was seen by a physician for an initial medical evaluation and gave a false history to the physician. And Padilla also provided false statements regarding the injury to a private investigator who was conducting an investigation into his alleged injury. Also during his deposition, Padilla allegedly provided false testimony regarding the injury. The investigation concluded that Padilla fabricated the story about being injured while breaking up a fight at work. Padilla has been charged with five felony counts, including fraud and attempted perjury. If convicted on all counts, he could face up to five years in state prison. The former owners of a DME wholesale company located in Ontario, California, were arrested by the FBI at Los Angeles International Airport in connection with an alleged fraud scheme that resulted in the submission of over $16.6 million in false claims to Medicare. 69-year-old Rajaneer Singh Paul and his 65-year-old wife Baljeet Kaur Paul were arrested on conspiracy and health care fraud charges at the airport as they returned from a trip abroad. 
The couple owned and operated a DME wholesale supply company called Majors Wholesale Medical Supply until they sold its assets to a new owner. The company sold primarily high-end power wheelchairs to DME supply companies for approximately $850 to $1,000 each. The DME companies billed these power wheelchairs to Medicare at a cost of $3,000 to $6,000 each. According to the indictment, the couple provided over 170 DME companies with backdated, altered, and fabricated invoices, which reflected that the companies had purchased power wheelchairs and DME from majors earlier than they had. They also allegedly provided the DME companies with false invoices for DME that the companies never purchased. These false invoices were created using invoice numbers from old invoices or serial numbers from DME that majors had already sold or not yet received from its manufacturers. The DME companies then allegedly used these backdated, altered, and fabricated invoices to defraud Medicare or thwart Medicare audits. Rajinder and Baljeet Paul are each charged with one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud and one count of making false statements. The conspiracy count carries a maximum potential penalty of 10 years in prison, and the false statements count carries a maximum potential penalty of 5 years in prison. Each count also carries a maximum $250,000 fine. A Monterey Peninsula landscaper has pleaded guilty to criminal violations involving contracting work. The Monterey County District Attorney says that 52-year-old Secundino Munoz of Carmel pleaded guilty to one felony count of fraudulent use of a contractor's license and misdemeanor counts of failing to have workers' comp insurance and contracting without a license. Munoz was arrested in August and will be sentenced November 27th. And in medical news, several health care facilities that treat workers' compensation claimants, including some in California, are on a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention list of facilities that received a compounded medication linked to a meningitis outbreak. Eight people have died and 105 others have been stricken by a fungal meningitis across nine states. The CDC has joined with the Food and Drug Administration to investigate cases among patients that received potentially contaminated epidural steroid injections. Several of those patients suffered strokes believed to have resulted from their infection. But not all patients who received the medicine will become sick. New England Compounding Pharmacy, Inc., which does business as New England Compounding Center, announced that it was recalling products compounded and distributed from its facility in Framingham, Massachusetts. Healthcare facilities across several states, including California, received the recalled drug from New England Compounding Center. The CDC list includes the Cypress Surgery Center in Visalia, the Encino Outpatient Surgical Center, and the Ukiah Valley Medical Center. Several of those facilities treated workers' comp claimants. Researchers at King's College London have identified a variant in the PARC2 gene that seems to be associated with a common cause of back pain called lumbar disc degeneration. The finding means that there may be a way to turn off this gene through lifestyle factors. 
The finding may also give employers an argument for apportionment of permanent disability. Scientists compared MRI images of the spine in 4,600 individuals with genome-wide association data, which mapped the genes of all of the volunteers. They identified that the gene PARC2 was implicated in people with degenerative discs and could affect the speed at which they deteriorate. They also pointed out that the condition seems to be inherited in more than half of the cases. Indeed, a 2006 study in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery pointed out that for years people thought that lumbar disc degeneration was caused by workplace physical loading or physical exertion. But recently, twin studies have shown that genetics may in fact play a large role. The researchers say the results show that the gene may be switched off in people with lumbar disc disease. Although it is still unclear how this might happen, it is thought that environmental factors such as lifestyle and diet could trigger the switch by making changes known as epigenetic modifications to the gene. The research data was collected from around the world, resulting in the biggest genome-wide association analysis of lumbar disc degeneration. And in financial news, the State Compensation Insurance Fund has approved a $100 million dividend to be divided up among qualifying 2012 workers' compensation policyholders. The fund said that the dividend effectively cuts rates by about 10%. The dividend reflects improved investment returns and improved efficiencies at the state fund. In addition, the board approved a 7% rate reduction that takes effect in early 2013. That reduction reflects savings that result from the passage of Senate Bill 863 reforms. State fund will have eliminated nearly 40% of its workforce or 2,900 positions by the end of this year. The impact of the recession, legislative and regulatory reforms, and the growing cost of medical care on workers' compensation performance are among the key developments addressed in the latest edition of the Workers' Compensation Research Institute CompScope Benchmarks 13th edition. These studies compare the performance of 16 different state workers' compensation systems and how these state systems have performed over time on more than 60 performance measures. The benchmarks also provide an excellent baseline for tracking the effectiveness of policy changes and identifying important trends. For California, the report shows the state's average indemnity claim is 6% above the median, but the average medical claim is 9% below the median. Where the state generally exceeds, the median is in legal expenses. California's average defense attorney payment per claim is 30% higher than the median and its medical legal expense is 80% above the median. The report shows benefit delivery expenses in California were among the highest of the state's study. Payments per claim for utilization review services grew rapidly from 2005 to 2010, while the percentage of claims with utilization reviews steadily increased until 2010 when it flattened out. And in other news, a story about a disabled 11-year-old has gone viral over the internet and has inspired many disabled Americans. Workers' compensation professionals deal with disability issues every day, and it is inspirational to hear reports of how some who are disabled manage to strive and succeed with their disabilities. 
The lower half of 11-year-old Ben Baltz's right leg was amputated when he was just six years old and diagnosed with bone cancer. He had been complaining of pain in the area after a ski trip when doctors discovered osteosarcoma in its early stages. The now cancer-free boy uses a mechanical knee and prosthetic leg that help him walk and run, switching between two types of legs for sports and everyday movement. Ben has not shied away from life or sports. He participates in soccer games, has also played for the Wounded Warriors amputee baseball team, and participated in a deep-sea fishing trip with other children who are currently battling and have survived cancer. He even competes in the triathlon. Indeed, he was competing in the, uh, in the Sea Turtle Tri-Kid Triathlon in Pensacola Beach, Florida, his third triathlon in three months, when the screws came loose in his prosthetic leg. Some U.S. Marines were helping out with the event and noticed his difficulty. As Ben considered whether he would hop or crawl the last stretch, a Marine Private First Class Matthew Morgan rushed over. The Marine, who was stationed at Corey Station, asked him if he could use some help, and after Penn agreed, pulled the youngster onto his back as more Marines gathered around the pair to help them finish the race. As the group came into view, everyone started cheering louder than usual, and more than a few people were crying as they crossed the finish line. Ben's mother said he was disappointed he hadn't been able to finish on his own but that she told him he was an inspiration to people for the battle he had already won. She stated she wanted to give him the message that he can do anything. Ben's story has now gone viral over the internet. And with that, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for the WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.